Look at that. We really are. We're going to nail this. One of these days, we're going to nail it. Hey, Tracy. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back, everybody, to Medlib's Miscellany. This is episode number two. And if you're back with us, we're so glad that you decided to come back and join us again. I'm Carrie Price. I'm Tracy Shields. And today we're going to be talking about medical subject headings. And that's because Tracy is a medical subject heading expert. You know that we call the MESH for short, medical subject headings. We're going to talk about that today. Yeah, because I can't quite quit going off on medical subject headings and making Twitter threads about them. I love your Twitter threads. I like making them. I've learned so much. I don't read the mesh update as much, and then I get to look at your threads and understand what's happening. So thanks for doing those. Yeah, you're welcome. I unfortunately spend a lot of time looking at the updates and saving files and looking back at previous years and just really diving into the controlled vocabulary that is mesh. And just for the record, I'm not a cataloger or anything like that. I don't know why I just kind of fixated on mesh, but this goes back like probably a decade or more. Yeah, pretty much every search I do has mesh somehow. And I've only in the last few years taken taken my obsession to Twitter to share my thoughts on mesh. Can you tell us a little bit about mesh? Like personally, one of the questions I always get when I'm teaching non-librarians is, why do I need to use these? Can't I just use keywords? I mean, you can. If you're doing a search in PubMed, even if you don't use Mesh, you're using Mesh. Because one of the things mm-hmm. that happens is something called automatic term mapping. And that is where when you put a keyword into the PubMed search box, it does something called automatic term mapping where it maps to a medical subject heading to try to help your search out. And sometimes that works really well, and sometimes it doesn't. But what medical subject headings are, are indexing terms that get applied to represent the full text and concepts of a paper without having to text mine all the full text. And keep in mind, we've not been able to do text mining on large scales until fairly recently. You can think of them as tags that allow you to have a little more control over things because there's a lot of different ways you can you can talk about a particular topic like you can like for heart attack the medical subject heading is actually myocardial infarction which is the medical term for it but -hmm. there are other ways that you can describe that and what using the mesh term allows you to do is compensate for those variations and to even get more specific than that, depending on what you're trying to search for. And so yeah. it's it's really a handy tool because it will allow for variations. And like a lot of the surgical literature, there's some epon there's actually quite a bit of eponyms that happen with like the procedure names and even instruments and things like that. So you can do those, but you can also have mesh terms that are specific for a procedure that will compensate for not using 
an eponym or other terms. And how far back do they go? So mesh as we kind of know it started with um, the National Library of Medicine who controls that. And it goes back to the 1960s. But even before that, it kind of came out of the Surgeon General of the Army's indexing that they did, um, something called Index Medicus. Every year they put out a compendium of the published literature, and they would have indexing for that. So you could look up a particular index term, like in the back of a, literally in the back of a book, right? You'd look at the index and it would assign those terms. So it's a lot like how that came about, but it's more structured in that there's a hierarchy. There are more specific terms. There's different sections of the tree that may have multiple places with the same term. So there's a lot of specificity and variability with it. And it allows you to have those terms and they change over time too, right? So a lot Mm. of things have happened since 1960s and there are terms that come into favor and go out of favor. Like for example, previously it was called impotence, but now it's the term is erectile dysfunction And I think that happened sometime in the 90s. It may or may not have been associated with the um, approval of Viagra. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot going on this year. There is. There's, and there's a lot of background that we can potentially go over to talk about some of the the new changes to MeSH. I mean, just take COVID-19. That's right. that's a whole new thing that's happened in the last few years, and there's now mesh terms for that. So, and it started off as a supplementary concept, right? Right, and yeah. So that's a that's kind of a whole other thing too. So supplementary concepts are terms that can get added at any point to help with um, indexing, but. What medical subject headings are are something that happens only once a year, that are updated only once a year. And so subject headings that have previously been the supplementary concepts exist, and sometimes supplementary concepts stay around for years before they become mesh. Also, I think it's really interesting to note that the medical subject headings used to be applied by humans. Right. Up until really recently. There is a great video, and we'll put it in our show notes or something, about um, showing how indexing was done back in the day. (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen it. It's it's really cool. It's a black and white film from like the late 60s, I'm guessing, showing these (laughs) indexers looking at the full text of an article and applying mesh terms to it and they're literally typing on a little index card to to wow. to make it it's it's a really cool video but um and now now what happened now it's mostly i think per 100% i think now done by artificial intelligence which sometimes works really well and sometimes does not work very well um i think right. they're that that happened I think they were moving towards that with machine learning anyway, but 
uh, all the AI indexing started in March of 2022. So now... Oh, wow. So, like, just this year. Yeah. So, everything is now fully AI indexing with... I think they must do some type of quality control, but they obviously can't look at everything and have... Mm -hmm. There's just the sheer volume of of literature that you can't you can't yeah. have a human look at everything anymore i remember that's right because the medical literature is growing exponentially mm -hmm. like it's it's tough to keep up with and that was so, even yeah, that before covid like with right? covid the literature is just exploded yeah it has uh, i like mesh because it gives me an idea of how things are described in the literature there's always entry terms and Tracy was talking about automatic term mapping. Those entry terms are, well, they have to do with how things get mapped. That's right. Right. I think. Yeah. And then it shows you where it exists in the hierarchy. So what terms and concepts are narrower and what terms and concepts are broader. It's important to know that there's not always a mesh term for something. Something could be relatively new, in which case, like at the beginning of the pandemic when COVID was first being described, there wasn't a mesh term for it. And what they did initially, because it was such a time-sensitive, important topic, they added those supplementary concepts, terms, to kind of mm -hmm. be placeholders for the what we assumed would eventually be medical subject headings. And we can talk a little bit more specifically about that in a minute. But um, those... Those kind of are placeholders, and then eventually, if there's enough literature about it, and there isn't a good medical subject heading, they will add new mesh terms. And it's funny because sometimes you think there's something that should be a mesh term, and when you look at it, the record, it'll tell you when it was first made a mesh term, and it can be pretty surprising. And one of my favorite examples of that is the mesh term for chocolate. Oh, really? Yeah. It only became a mesh term in 2017. Oh my gosh. I know. Like a, chocolate a has substance. been around forever. <gasps> I mean, and it's so, so delicious. For it? Yeah. Right. We need our chocolate. Yeah. If you search for it, does it only go back? Does it only go back to 2017? Well, it does go back further because previously it was under cacao Okay. Um, but, you know, if you were trying to find, like, for example, literature that provides evidence for the health benefits of dark chocolate, and you wanted to use that as a mesh term, you're only going to find things going back to 2017 or so if you only use the mesh term. That's why it's important to use keywords, because there was stuff talking about the importance of chocolate, or if there wasn't, there should have been. Come on, it's chocolate. <laughs> of course. Right? Um, <laughs> prior to 2017. And the only way to find that is to have used another term, which like cacao, which may not have been an, a, as useful, or to use right. it as a text word somewhere else. Yeah. Huh. So when you see that little date underneath the definition, mm -hmm. that tells you when, when it was introduced. Right. Another example of that is menstrual hygiene products which only huh. became a concept in 2007. And what? Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure menstruation has been happening for all of human civilization. 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> and there have been products that have been used throughout history. But, but it was never indexed in mesh. Yeah. There wasn't a term specifically for that. Anything prior to 2007 was indexed with usually um, tampons, comma, surgical or surgical tampons. Oh, yeah. Which are not necessarily the same thing or at least yeah. not used for the same purposes. No way. Even though they can, um, you might do it for, you might use surgical tampons for, um, oh, gosh. Now I want to look it up and see what you would use them for. Like, just wound care. Yeah. You know? It doesn't necessarily have to be associated with uh, menstruation. menstruation. Yeah. Hmm. Should I ask you about the update now? You can. What else should we go to? Well, you can talk more. I feel like I'm doing all the talking. But it's... You love the mesh. Well, when I teach mesh, I always point out, especially to librarians, searchers, I always point out previous indexing, and I point out um, see also. So when things get introduced, like chocolate, it doesn't get retrospectively, retroactively? It doesn't get retrospectively indexed, Right. but it would go back under cacao. So if you did search... And you'd find stuff previous to 2017, that's because before 2017 it wasn't chocolate, it was cacao. So it's kind of like adding more levels to the hierarchy, is that right? Right. And that's one of the things, like you have to be so careful that you can't assume that a term that you're using has always been in use. It could have changed over time and shifts in the term itself, and we can talk a little bit more about this with some of the population groups does change over time, but in other cases, it could just be an all new term, in which case, like you said, it doesn't go back and add previous, it doesn't add that term to previous records. So you may have to use a different term. You may have to use a broader term. You may have to use only keywords to get at something. Yeah. uh, One of the ones I show is plantar fasciitis Mm -hmm. and previous indexing was fasciitis and foot diseases. So neither of those are really specific enough. They're pretty broad. So that one you use plantar fasciitis, which was introduced, I don't know, in the last 10 years or 20 years. And then you end up using uh, just keywords because foot diseases is way too broad and fasciitis can talk about other parts of the body. So it doesn't work. Right. Um, And then there's like see also. So that'll tell you what concepts are related And that's important to note if you're a searcher because maybe maybe they're related in a way that's important to the search. So, like, again, with plantar fasciitis, when people come into a clinic with heel pain, pain, um, they're often treated like it's a heel spur and plantar fasciitis, I think. So the see also concept under plantar fasciitis is a heel spur because they're related and treated in similar ways. At least that's my understanding. So I think it's always important when you're looking at the mesh term to look at the previous indexing in the C also. So that's your favorite term? I guess you could say it's my favorite term. <laughs> it's not horribly <laughs> traumatic, at least. That's a, you know, some of these are like pretty traumatic. So I don't want to yeah. say like, oh yeah, traumatic brain injury, that's my favorite. No, it's not my favorite term. PTSD. 
now. Yeah, right. Do you do you have a favorite term? I you know, I don't know that I have a favorite term, but I do kind of have a favorite thing that isn't a term, and that is crafts. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. So um we kind of mentioned this in our intro episode, but it fits here because um one of the things I do is along with looking at the annual updates to Mesh is to kind of keep an eye on when the PubMed user guide gets updated um, just to see what's happening with that because a lot of users look to that. And so um, there's a lot of information in that. But one of the things I discovered a few months ago was they were giving examples of how you use the um, field tags in PubMed. And that's limiting to like the title abstract or a mesh term or text word or different places, different things like that. And the example they gave was crabs for mesh. (laughs) And I thought, oh, huh, well, let me just do a search in PubMed for crabs mesh. I didn't realize that was a mesh term. Well, it's not a mesh term, actually. And what it does, and the only way you can know this is to do the search in PubMed and then look at the advanced search settings and see the search details. And what will that shows is that crabs, it, since it's not a mesh term, will actually do something similar to automatic term mapping in that it will map to two different mesh terms that are known for crabs. One being the marine animal that is sometimes on our dinner plates and the other <laughs> being a stigmatized infectious <laughs> disease that um, <laughs> organism that is sometimes sexually transmitted. So a genital crab. Yeah. So you can yeah. have two different kinds of crabs. And that's, that's, you know, one of the reasons where you need to be careful about if you use mesh terms, which ones you pick. And even if you don't use mesh terms, to be aware of mesh because that automatic term mapping will use them for you. And you could end up getting things you don't expect because of how that happens. Yeah, if you put in an incorrect mesh term, it's going to map it for you, which I don't think I realized until this year in the whole crabs debacle. Yeah, and I (sighs) I don't think I even knew about that. And I don't know if it's something that's new they're doing as part of kind of all of the other things that happened with quote new PubMed. I, I keep calling it new yeah. PubMed, even though it happened in 2020, but right? it's, it's still new. It's still new. There's a lot of right. things that changed with that. And I don't know if this was part of it or if it always did this and I never discovered it. But when I saw that I did what I do, which is go to Twitter and start talking about it. And that's, uh, that's kind of how we came up with our our one of our mascots, which is Mesh yeah, the Crab. Mesh the Crab. He doesn't he doesn't make any sounds though. No. At least not we, the we not the marine crab. No. <laughs> I don't know so, about the other I, type. <laughs> I've never I've never investigated that. Tracy has two stuffies. One's a crab and the other one is the other kind of crab. Is that right? Yeah. So <laughs> um, if this is not an endorsement, this is not an advertisement, but if you've ever looked at giant microbes, um, they have yeah. one for the 
crab louse. Okay, they're fun. Yeah. That's a fun little, we'll, uh, we'll have to link to that in our show notes. Yeah. I remember we were chatting that day on Twitter when we both realized crabs was there and we were like, crabs isn't a mesh term. And I needed a good laugh that day. And I'll tell you, I was weeping in my cube with laughter about how funny that was. I don't know. It just struck me as really funny that like of all the mesh terms that could have been chosen to demonstrate mesh, they chose a term that wasn't mesh and, and it was like a funny one too. Well, and I think it, around the same time was the whole uh, TikTok phenomenon with the corn kid. And so yeah. there was like this song going around about corn and, but like, <laughs> you know, the corn kid has, has this song and here's this thing about crabs and it just kind of happened. It was really funny. Yeah. It was funny. And, and it's still there. So if you yeah. want to look at the PubMed help file and search for crabs, MH, <laughs> it's still there. You can find yep. it. And I think it's great. Tracy, I know you've really dug into the update this year, 2022. Uh, what's stood out to you about the mesh update for the coming year? So um, something that kind of touches on what we've already talked about a little bit. There's a new mesh term for post-acute COVID-19 syndrome, which is long COVID. And okay. that's that's now a mesh term. They added in 2020 the supplemental concept for it, but this year it officially became a mesh term. And Post-acute COVID-19 syndrome? Yeah, so that's essentially long COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one yeah. thing that, you know, we said it doesn't retroactively go back and change, but if something was a supplementary concept and it got moved up to a mesh term, that gets applied retrospectively. Okay. But it's it's not added, it's just changed. So instead of it, the previous indexing that it had with the supplementary concept, it now no longer has that as supplementary concept. It has it as a mesh term. So it's sort of retrospective, but not exactly, because it was already there. It was kind of just a, a name change kind of thing. So those supplementary concepts are reserved for emerging topics. Right. And newer things, yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, if they keep growing, they turn into an official mesh term. Right. And there was a, in one of the NLM webinars they did about mesh talking about it one of the things mentioned is that if something has a supplementary concept and it has more than 200 or so results in PubMed they'll make that a mesh term I don't think that's exactly the cutoff because we can probably find examples where there is more than that Spontaneous coronary artery dissection. Yeah, that's a great example. That's been around for decades. It has a lot of indexed literature, but it's still a supplementary concept. Right. As you pointed out to me once. Yeah, and I'm really surprised that hasn't become a mesh term yet. But And then, you know, there are things that get updated, like um, I think there is a nomenclature change in like 2020 about lactobacillus um, and they've now one of the new um, mesh terms for 2023 is is reflecting those changes from the 
international body that does the nomenclature for organisms and stuff like that, like the scientific names. Okay. So that's another mesh, new mesh thing. Probably the biggest change is mm-hmm. to the population groups tree. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. there's there's a Tell us about that. Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of background that you need to know for some context. And that is this last year there was kind of a a blow up that happened on Twitter showing how um the term for what was previously, I think, African-American ancestry group or something like that um, was now blacks. And so there was a lot of uh, rightfully so anger about some of the ways that there were terms that were being used inappropriately. There were population groups and... um, racial or ethnic group terms that were either there or not there or using outdated terminology. And so um, a group got together and wrote an open letter to NLM, and we'll put links in our show notes to all of these things. And there was a Mm -hmm. lot of discussion on Twitter about it. And NLM responded to the letter and actually had a couple of listening sessions and I believe they've actually planned some listening sessions in January 2023 to discuss the new mesh terms too Um, but there was a lot of work and there were people that helped NLM behind the scenes and were working diligently to update and make some of those terms more inclusive and more international. Because um, one of the things that happened last year with, when I say last year, like 2021, 2022 mesh is that um, somehow in, in how they changed up some of the population groups, they ended up dropping um, terms for, Aboriginal Australians and mm-hmm. some of the I noticed that some of some people on Twitter um, brought that to our attention and it looks like they have made a real effort this time to fix some of those issues. It's not perfect, but I think mm-hmm. it is a big step in the right direction. And there are a lot of new terms. There's a lot of things specifically said that are related to the uh, OMB, which is the Office of Office Management of Budget, or I think maybe. Uh, okay. But uh, OMB right. has um, a lot of specific ways that they refer to race, racial, and ethnic groups at the federal government level. And I think NLM has made a lot of changes with that in mind to kind of align mm-hmm. it with some of those demographics and have added um, better definitions, have added more groups, and have changed some of the definitions to better suit reality. That mm-hmm. said, there are still some 
problematic and stigmatizing terms that you will see listed in those records as part of entry terms. Yes, I noticed that. And I think that's kind of an unfortunate thing that we have to have there because of how things were previously referred to in the past and to compensate for some of that terminology. Um, It's not... It's not ideal, but I think they kind of have to be there. And so um, you just have to kind of be aware of it and be conscientious in how you use those. Because sometimes, and this is probably going to be a whole episode in itself, sometimes you have to use terms that are not preferred and can be quite stigmatizing and um, racist and problematic. Mm -hmm and offensive with searches because that unfortunately is how things were described in the literature previously. Right. I think our medical librarian Twitter friend, Alison Burness has done a thread on this. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong, but I I think it was her. Yeah. And yeah, if we're, if I'm sitting with a group who's searching on uh, racial groups and I have to introduce potentially offensive language, I always find that really uncomfortable. Uh, And it's a matter of like, finding historical literature because that's the way it might have been used. So that's something that we sometimes have to explain to our library users is that if we're looking for the literature going back to the 60s, the 40s, before, we have to use this terminology, which isn't ideal. And even... I'm glad to see... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, even going back to just the the 90s and the 80s, there's oh, a lot of... True. <laughs> Potentially yeah, offensive not, terms. And I think it's not that far distant. Um, I'm not positive, but I think it was Whitney Townsend and some of her colleagues at University of Michigan, maybe, that shared on Twitter some language about how you can just dis- justify or describe why you're using some of these terms in a search to be more mm-hmm. conscientious and um understanding of the need for inclusivity so yeah, we'll share those links out there we i think we we really appreciate all the work that the medical librarian community has put into having these terms changed within lm we acknowledge that there was a lot of labor that went into that yeah definitely there's a lot of people that have worked behind the scenes and you know that's that's a lot of emotional labor for um previously and currently marginalized groups that are doing their best to be the best representation that we can have for these terms. I had a search this week on indigenous populations, including North America and Australia. And I had written the search at one point. And then by the time I went to translate it this week, I realized there were all these new terms. Like you said, Aboriginal Australians is back. Mm Mm-hmm. Native uh, American Indians and Alaska Natives now splits up. Now there's two terms to represent those groups. And I think they've also added one specifically to Canada for their indigenous tribes. Indigenous Canadians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are a couple of tribe names. I was wondering why there's only a couple of tribe names. There was one specifically, I think the Pima was one of the terms. And that's an interesting thing that might be another topic to discuss later on um, 
because there's some interesting history about that population um, and their genetic profiles being used for diabetes research, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, there's... I had no idea. There's... I didn't have any idea either. I just happened to one day catch... Um, I mentioned that somebody was giving one of those NLM history of medicine talks and uh-huh. she was talking about it and it was really interesting. Well, I'll dig that up and we can add it to show notes. Okay. Well, Tracy, that's a lot happening for the 2023 mesh. Are there other things that we should note as we're going into the new year? Um, I think one of the things we kind of have to keep in mind is these terms are always changing and As we mentioned, there's a lot of work that gets put into those changes. And if you find something that doesn't have a term or you think a term is needed, you should tell NLM because how else are they going to know? If, you know, if you have a subject area that you're very familiar with and you think their mesh for that is inadequate or could use some work, then give them feedback because sometimes they do listen. Hopefully they listen more now than they used to, because I think (laughs) that has been some of the criticism justifiably. So that people have told them for years that this needed to be looked at and yeah, it didn't get a lot of attention. And I think with some of the, with some of the, um, changes that we've seen, there is a push to make things right in some regards, and we should we should make the most of that opportunity. Well, I'm glad that's changing. And yeah, I've been sitting in on some of the listening sessions and the MeSH webinars. There are these free MeSH webinars through the NNLM, so if you are interested, you can always sign up. Anybody can sign up for free, and you get to hear how PubMed works, how MeSH works, so you can hear more. I'm really excited about the changes, Tracy. I guess I do want to say, keep in mind, like we said before, as great as these new mesh terms are, they're only now going to be, if they're new and they're not like changing an old term, they're only now going to be applied. So you will still have to compensate for that somehow with other terms or keywords or whatever. So kind of keep that in mind as you do your major searches in PubMed. I remember that happened, I think in 2018 or 2019, this mesh term came out critical care outcomes. And I worked with people who were specifically interested in critical care outcomes. Well, it didn't have any literature assigned to it yet. And now it's been a couple of years and it still doesn't have that much literature assigned to it yet. So you'll see these terms evolve over time mm-hmm. and that that's only a good thing. So keep an eye on those terms. You're watching those people you search for so you can understand what's happening in the field. Well, this is all really great news and I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Thanks for letting me go on and on about medical subject headings. It's We love to hear about medical subject headings and mesh the crab especially. Yeah. Thanks everybody for joining us and we hope you'll join us next time. We don't quite know what the topic is, so if you've got suggestions, let us know. We are open to that and any feedback you have for us. If you want to reach us, you can email us at medlibsmiscellany at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. The hashtag is medlibs, or you can DM us directly with I am 
at TC Shields. That's S H I E L D S. I'm at Carrie Price 78. Bye. Bye. Bye.